Welcome to the Number 8 Wire podcast. I'm Johanna Van Els, business coach and consultant. In this series, I'll be talking to people in business who have had professional and personal challenges, how they held it together through those tough times, and what advice they have to share that may help you. At the end of the podcast, I'll be highlighting the valuable takeaways, so be sure to listen out for those. Thanks for listening, everyone. Today, I'm going to be introducing to you Prue Younger. I'm talking to her. She's the CEO of FICA, which is the forestry industry. Forestry. Actually, I'll let Prue introduce who she's the CEO <laughs> for. Welcome, Prue. Oh, thank you. Thanks, Johanna. Um, yeah, well, I'm uh, Prue Younger, and I'm CEO for Forest Industry Contractors Association. So it's a national membership organisation of all the contractors tied up in forestry from silviculture contractors to logging and harvesting contractors to roading and civil, what we call roading civil contractors, quite a broad range, but all tied up in forestry. Okay, so just to give me an idea and give the listeners an idea of the size, how many people totally might be involved under this umbrella of this organisation? Uh, from our membership side of things, we've, we believe we've got about um, uh, 75% of the total harvested area in New Zealand, and that constitutes a couple of hundred contractors, but contractors have underneath them, yeah. they're like a contracting business, they have anywhere from one crew to maybe 10 crews, and in a crew, those are the people that go out to the skid sites and work together. Um, you've probably got about uh, eight to ten people working in each of those. So realistically, we're talking about an industry representing three and a half, four thousand people. Okay. Um, and we think those that we don't have as our membership are generally the smaller contractors, and they would probably be another thousand or so people. Okay, yeah. so to improve just the value to the New Zealand um, economy, what what kind of turnover, what kind of numbers, GDP, what kind of dollar value does the industry have, the whole of the industry have to the New Zealand economy? Just to give us a yeah. shape. Yeah, well, I, I, I can't quote you a, a, an actual figure because um, I could quote you if I look, went and looked it up, but we have just jumped, I guess, from being third largest export industry for New Zealand's GDP to the second because of the situation tourism's ended up in. So tourism was actually yeah, yeah. much larger than us, yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. So we're sitting now as, you know, reasonably important to... Um, export trade for New Zealand yeah yeah and probably quite critical in the rebuild for the economy at the moment yeah so I'm just going to put those two numbers together so 4,000 workers approximately producing the second tier value export from New Zealand yeah contributing basically the whole of forestry if you like um, we contribute 3.55 billion to the New Zealand's GDP currently, and that half of it 
sort of comes from forestry logging and the other half comes from downstream activities. Um, as far as an export value to New Zealand, we, um, we profess to have a turnover of six, well, close to seven million, seven billion, sorry. Um, and that, that again is comprising of logs and other forest products. So it's, it's pretty out there, yeah. Yeah, when I think of seven billion, and there's only 4,000 people contributing to that as a turnover. Those are amazing numbers. Well, in actual fact, that 4,000 people is contractors. You've got to remember probably all of industry included, and that's processing yeah. mills and distribution, um, probably more constitutes about 7,500 people. Okay. It's, not, it's not the biggest. I mean, when you look at Napier and um, for horticulture, you know, they were looking for 15,000 seasonal workers in horticulture. So forestry is not um, as big as what it sounds, you know, with the contribution. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, that, okay. That's kind of interesting, actually. Yeah, mm, it is. I just some, oh, I'll put some thought around that later because when I think of the value of the product, it's all in the product, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is in the well. It's the volume of the product and the accessibility for those working in forestry to be able to um, probably cut the trees to the extent they do and deliver them to the markets. I mean, I, it always fascinates me because out my office window, I actually have all the trucks going through to the Napier port, and I can see them. And you know, they're constant, really. And I just think man, every one of those logs is a person out there on the skid site cutting one log down, uh, one tree down to get that log that's on the track. But, you know, there's 30 tonnes of logs on the track. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah it is amazing. Yeah, it is, it's great that you've got that visibility over it too as well. <laughs> well, probably not for them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Crew, tell us about the demographics within these logging crews as well. What's the age type, you know, age of the people, gender? Give, give mm. me a bit of an idea. Obviously, the um, gender of most people working in forestry is male. Um, there's most certainly an increase in female. It's interesting. Um, I'd probably say that there's an 80-20 mix at the moment. The contractors that I speak to who have got females in their crews and they keep telling me they'd love more females because uh, for a couple of reasons, we look after the equipment way, way better than what males do. Yeah, I hear <laughs> that from a number of industries actually. Yeah, very true. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, we just bring us different social dynamics to the crews. We work really hard. Yeah, we get in there and do the job. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting that, you know, a lot of the, uh, the the men out there actually really encourage women to be working in their crews. And we've even got to the level where there's women who own contracting crews. Mm -hmm. It's amazing. Like there was one young girl in Napier who was working for a crew. And in actual fact, the boys all stood around while we were filming and said, no, no, let her go and take the role in the machinery. And she knows everything, you know, how to do everything. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, so coming back to the demographics as well, what kind Sorry. of... Sorry. Yeah, no worries. No worries. No, the long answers are good answers. True, actually, long <laughs> answers are good answers. But what might be the average income sitting in that group of, say, 10 
forestry workers or in that crew? Uh, well, actually, earnings in forestry, when the log price is, um, you know, at an average keel and everyone's making a bit of money, uh, working in forestry is actually quite um, lucrative. You could be earning anywhere from 65 to 75 plus a year um, just doing what we'd term probably one of the lower levels of work. Okay. Um, the hours are quite long, but the yeah earning capacity is really good. And again, coming back to talk to some of these guys who are quite young, who have come into the industry, I love hearing that they've joined the industry and within you know a year, they've got a deposit for a house. Oh, fantastic. There is a career path right the way through forestry, which people probably don't realise. Oh. We, we counted up, there's something like um, 45 plus different roles in forestry that you can undertake. That's something I hadn't realised. Yeah, while you were mm. talking there, I was thinking about also the added value of being outside. You know, oh. even though it's raining or whatever, you're outside, your feet are on the earth, your hands are on... Um, the trees, your hands are on um, nature and that's that's your environment and how good that is for the soul, you know, feeding your soul, not sitting around watching TV or jobs like some of ours which are staring at screens. They're, they're out in nature. Oh, honest, honestly, I keep saying ever since I've joined this industry, which has sort of got a long history to how I got into forestry, but um, every person I come across in forestry, um, honestly, they just love their job and that's the way they are they're humble they really like the great outdoors and associated with that is that they're generally people who like going hunting they go out and shoot deer on the weekends and you know they're just that sort of outdoor bear grills type person you know even in the worst of conditions you know they've got really good clothing protective gear and it's still pretty invigorating to be outside outdoors isn't it when yeah. it's raining I mean it's yeah. great I think the the thing is that they're within their even coming back to COVID terms they're within their bubble when they're within their family nucleus they call a very um Fano focused you know they really support each of their crew members and um certainly through COVID there was no way that they wanted their staff to go off and redeploy somewhere else into horticulture or agriculture or whatever they worked really hard the contractors who owned the businesses mm -hmm. to pay those top-ups to the subsidy that had, was being offered mm -hmm. so they really that money was coming out of their back pocket you described it earlier as a, a cultural family how does that look like on a day-to-day -day basis yeah well i guess these guys are going up in early hours of the morning so you know usually they're traveling up in vehicles together or in a van so you know there's, there's that bonding time anyway and they normally got to travel maybe an hour to two hours together they get up on site they've got a smoko hut if you like, they all prompted to have a safe start meeting in the morning, just a general catch up about what roles they're all playing, what they have to do, what they have to achieve through the day. I've got to know about visitors, et cetera, and signing them in. And just that um, safety distancing as well. So it's pretty important that really they know what each other are doing, you know, so they've got to talk, they've got to communicate. And I think there's more and more being focused on social and well-being so you know about Charlie coming to work again and saying hey he doesn't look kind of a hundred percent I wonder what's going on in his life and you know should we be sending him down the hill on his own 
no, maybe we'll keep them closer to home base today because there's something not quite right about them, you know? And so they're starting to become very intuitive about all their people within their team. Mm -hmm. I think we're slowly working in forestry to realize that social well-being and responsibility. Yeah, and we've done quite a bit of work with our members around uh, workshops and identifying that and just ensuring that all your workers are in a good headspace. You know, that's the elephant in the room in this conversation, really, is the health and safety in the forestry industry. It's, it's okay to be earning the money, but not if it's going to cost you a limb or a life or something. You talked to me the other day about a series of videos that um, you've been putting together. Tell me about those. So that was kind of around the COVID lockdown, obviously, knowing that here's some guys and gals who are used to going out into the open environment suddenly being in a home environment and between four walls with their families rekindling. We've got some fantastic stories that we've been told about fathers engaging with their families and really actually taking time out to enjoy their families in this time. So that's been quite good to hear that they've actually taken the opportunity as a positive opportunity. But again, it's about, um, you know, them after two or three weeks, this doesn't become fun anymore. You know, they want to get back out outside and outdoors. I kind of thought, how can we help our guys how and girls? How can we help our workforce sort of while they're down in lockdown and make them think, well, some of these feelings are probably just normal. You know, it's not abnormal for them to be thinking about it. And we did a couple of workshops last year with P.O. Tidal, who's a TV celebrity, but he does a lot of work in the parenting space, actually. Um, and he did a workshop with us last year around uh, family, Fano, and work. And he was talking about relationships and relationships at home, relationships with your boss, relationships with your colleagues and, and the teams and things, and just how to overcome some of the um, challenges that are faced with relationships in general. And he uh, was so well received. I sort of thought when this COVID happened, hey, how about we get PO in? He can do um, a three minute video of himself with his phone, just talking, because even his talking to people is really calming. He's got a really great way. He obviously connects with um, majority of our demographics. Yeah, he was really receptive to it. And actually, it was a bit of a win-win because he'd lost a whole lot of um, his event MC yeah. roles and yeah. so it was like yay we've found you something to do online and I actually you know what I was inspired by was the the first advert that came on TV with COVID it wasn't an expensive advert they've got a whole yeah. raft of celebrities and they'd yeah. film themselves on their phone and it was like it doesn't need to cost much to actually come across with the right message so Pio was very happy to follow that sort of scenario. He did seven different videos uh, around um, collaborating at home, working in um, confined spaces, um, making a plan, bit of parenting, bit of sharing the parenting, and then I guess about gratitude. And he's got a fun way of doing it. He was out mm -hmm. in his property, you know, with his chainsaw going and hard hat on and then he was doing a bit of a boil up and, and he's obviously a great singer. So he threw in a few lyrics here and there. Um, well, those seem to really uh, resonate with our people. Yeah. That was good. And we kind of got to the end of that and thought, wow, that worked. That was so good. Subsequently, we, I got a phone call from uh, 
Australian forestry, a guy in Tasmania, and he said they've got a lot of people over there in the industry um, who have mental health issues is a big problem for them over there at the moment. And they'd somehow got hold of our videos and just said, that's so awesome. We can see that an Australian version of this will do the guys really well. So do you mind if we copy your concept? So, you know, I immediately rang up Pio and I said, do you realize what you've just done? Wow. And he said, that's the biggest coup for me, you know, he said, that's huge. It's very humbling. So, yeah. 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 I love that. I love that you can look at the crises and you're you're talking to the crises. And the message that I got from that is recognizing your feelings are normal, that you're feeling low. It's actually normal. And, you know, my admiration to you for recognizing that and going, what can I do? What can I do to make a difference? And not having to have a huge production team around you, but just going, I'm going to do what I can with what I have, get mm. a little bit of a tribe around me and deliver that message. Because I, you as a CEO are hearing the same, you're in a position where you're hearing the same thing from a lot of places. You can address that because that messaging is coming through pretty consistently from all over the shows. Um, the success in your ability to be able to listen and respond You've had Tasmania put their hand up. Awesome. It's even been a a win-win for me, really, because Pio just sent them through to me by, through his phone, um, got them on WeTransfer or however it was. And it's actually taught me, I've learned how to upload those videos onto YouTube. I've created a YouTube thing for us, our organization. It's like, whoa, so much for Google. It's awesome when you've actually got the time to spend you know, a few more minutes doing that yourself. Otherwise I would have flicked it off to someone else, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's been quite fun, you know, yeah. having done that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that hard really, is it? Once you like. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It, it yeah. seems like a mysterious new language, but it's actually, it's not. It's just nailing yourself down and forcing yourself to learn it. Yeah. 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 One of the things I wanted to ask you as well was just talking through the current state. You talked about mental health, just the current state of the industry with COVID and what does that mean like coming back to work? So I'm beginning to wonder, you know, what does the new permanent look like? Yeah, well, I I actually think it's just a strengthening of our industry really um, as a collective project around setting up the protocols, which was Um, one thing that industry has done out of this industry, our forest industry is a little bit dysfunctional. There are people working in different silos. We have forest growers, we have contractors, we have transport, we have the guys working at the ports, stevedores, we have the guys that are planting the trees and we're all working in the mills and processes. We're all working in our own isolated sort of silos. And if nothing else, pulling these protocols together for industry to go back to work at level three has actually brought the whole industry together. The protocols were written around the fact um, of the whole supply chain. So every sector had to be included and had to write their set of protocols. So we've got one document that I can truly say is, you know, a collective document. Um, And it was, um, you know, subsequently then um, endorsed by MPI and WorkSafe. So, that was a really good project that's come out of this. And following on from that, um, I think at the 
senior managers, etc., who have been engaged in Zoom calls and conference calls around State of the Nation conversations each week have actually learned so much by talking to each other or listening to what each sector is doing and how they're being challenged or how they're overcoming um, those challenges. There's a now a real, I guess, drive to try and continue a collaborative um, sector forum going with this conversation. So, you know, that we don't fall back into the trap of working in silos again. We do need to understand how the whole of supply chain works with each other. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one of kind of my my goals, I guess, is to make sure we're sitting there trying to drive that collaborative network of people mm-hmm. to continue on talking to each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, and I think it, yeah. I think it's not just about transferring of um, documents and things on email. It literally is either getting on Zoom or meeting up or, you know, picking the phone up and having those conversations. I think you get more out of these Zoom sessions than even you do in a boardroom situation, you know, where yeah. one or two people over yeah. um, take the conversation. Yeah, yeah, the hippos. <laughs> yeah, the hippos, yeah. Um, for the listeners out there, hippo is the highest paid person's opinion. So, yeah, it's kind of a leveller. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is. I, I, what I find with this technology as well is we can be a lot more intentional, and I think that's what you're talking about is just being really mm. intentional about what is the outcome for this. I don't. I don't I've got better things to do than sit and just create word salads. Um, mm. well, it's about being intentional. Coming back to the collective pro, I just want to unpack that a little bit more. I really see the benefit of um, not um, being in silos. From a management point of view, there's a lot of learning, a lot of learning transfer that goes on, building relationships at that level as well. There's a, um, provides a sense of security for your business as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, what, you know, what are some of the other benefits that you can that you can see coming out of this collective? Yeah, um, I think just, um, well, the overarching one is that you end up with a strategy that everyone understands where... This, this industry or organization needs to be and we, what, what its end goal is. And I think you become a lot better at um, addressing issues collectively and you do have a collective voice. You have different ideas come in, things you don't think about. Um, you know, you're able to take on board um, everyone's opinions, whether you accept them or not. Um, I also think there's an alignment of projects. So, you know, how often do you find that you sit in um, a room and suddenly realize that something's happening down the South Island and they're doing it in the North Island and starting all over again, you know, it's about replication and kind of not having to reinvent the wheel. Um, And someone's already done it better. Like a classic I'd have to say out of these protocols is that, you know, obviously everyone in the trucking, well, actually from the skid site to the trucking sector to the ports, have been handing on a piece of paper about that load. And now because of um, COVID protocols in level three, we weren't able to have any, we had to have a paperless system. So, you know, we go and check out another industry, construction, and they've already done it, or horticulture, they've already done it. So we've just taken their idea and applied it. And we probably actually won't go back to paper. Hmm. That's That's the positive outcomes of the, the COVID change 
Um, and I know that, you know, I've heard it say that there's a few things that we're actually doing that are saving us money. And, and again, we probably won't go back to the old ways of doing things, which, you know, it's not just forestry industry wise, is it? It's probably lots of, lots of industry sectors are realizing that. Yeah. Yeah. Just created a real pathway for creativity in solving mm. these problems. And yeah, it sounds great, Pru. I'm really, I'm really impressed. Solving problems from a strategic point of view and doing things together strategically for greater outcomes. Also the power of um, being able to lobby, whether it's with mm. government or within your community, you're doing it from a, um, you, you, your platform's a lot bigger. Well, your buy-in's a lot bigger, bigger and your distribution's a lot bigger. And I keep on saying to our membership, you know, the, the more members we get and the more followers you get, I guess, makes us more credible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you can support us, we've got much greater legs to or arms to get out there and, um, you know, lobby for better causes um, and better solutions for our industry sector groups. So I think they're slowly getting that actually. And probably our organisation's never been able to prove itself better than in this crisis situation because you often, I guess you do question. And when I started in this role, it was like, what are we offering to our membership? You know, what are we, what value are we giving to them mm-hmm. for them, their membership fee that they pay us, you know, outside of getting magazines and communications and um, newsletters, et cetera. Realistically, what are we offering them? And sometimes we've put um, projects together that we've been able to get funding for to help them. But out of this, I think, uh, you know, there was a lot of social responsibility and a lot of economic um, responsibility to try and get these, um, our sector back working. And that took a lot of energy and a lot of uh, lobbying with government to do that behind the scenes. But actually, it's translated to, A, firstly, I can't, you know, everyone keeps saying forestry's just so visible now you know it's been on media etc it's it's very visible we've also recognized that our contractors need to know more about the end of the supply chain so you know what are the markets like how does that influence them on the skid sites you know if they're going to get their contract turned off um, in the next month it's because the markets have dropped out in the export scene so you know it's just re- making them realize that they're a part of the chain, uh, but if they know more about the chain and they know uh, what influences their workload, then they probably get themselves better prepared um, for any downturns or any challenges that the industry faces. Yeah, just the ramifications, I think. And it's like an induction program, isn't it, really, I think? It's like if you go into a new business or you go into a new you know, to look at a new product, it's nice if you understand how it all works oh. before you actually jump in, you know. And some people call it transparency. I mean, I don't know whether it's appropriate at, at this point in time, but just to explain my entry into forestry is um, I've got a, another company that I've operated for 20 years, which is an event management company. Well, it's actually over 20 years, I keep forgetting. Um, and we were running well, we engaged to set up a forestry awards program for um, Eastland and uh, the Gisborne area. And so it got me into 
um, understanding what forestry was about. We set up this corporate awards program, was really successful the first year, and um, it was all about rewarding the workforce and recognising the workforce, and also about getting people in a room together. And that event went for four years, and then Northland picked it up. Subsequently, Southland's done the same thing, and now that I sit in Hawke's Bay, Hawke's Bay have done the same thing as well. So we were running four forestry awards campaigns around the country. Funny enough, we ended up doing Australia as well for two years. So they saw the model and took it over there. But we did a video in Gisborne um, at one of the sort of award programs. We thought we'd open this awards with a, a video Um, from tree to ship, so from seedling to ship. We had 500 people in the room, and probably half of those people were the workers. And the video started playing with the music, and it started in the bush, and these guys planting the trees. There was no talking, actually. It was all just, you know, to music, and it was was great. And honestly, it was noisy for the first probably minute and a half, and then the whole room went silent and listened and watched. And I reckon it was because the the workers had never really appreciated what part they played in the supply chain. And they probably were cutting the trees down and thinking, right, well, that goes on the truck and that's the end of it, and not realise the whole complexity of the supply chain. It was amazing. Yeah, okay. It was really cool, which then made me think, you know, half the reason these guys don't kind of appreciate where they are is because no one's told them no one's actually done the induction program this is where you fit in the supply chain you know and give them given them that bigger picture and I think that's why these events were and have been successful it's a bit sad this year because they've all been cancelled and postponed to next year but I think everyone's looking forward to them again next year because it just, uh, re- from a regional perspective, it brought a whole lot of people in the room together. It's given people um, who deserve it, which is the workforce, a pat on the back for being quietly highly skilled and recognised for the skill that they play in the work- in the supply chain. That's really good. That's so good, yeah. Well, it was a good initiative and it was just something that was, you know, equally they all sit there and have fun and they network and um, you know, they appreciate that time together. Even competitors and even mm-hmm. service providers are all in the room together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's well supported. Mm-hmm. Generally 500 in most of those events. So, yeah, so I come from a corporate background anyway, had sort of gone into this event management company when I had children and then children have grown up and this job came up. So it enabled me to get back into sort of more a management managerial role yeah which I took up because I knew forestry so well knowing all these guys and they all knew me from a different working perspective but Mm -hmm. built up that credibility and they all seemed to see the difference between what I do for them as FICA and what we do when we come in and do the forestry awards it's quite good yeah yeah Yeah, they align quite nicely they align quite well yeah, they do. And and subsequently, my board have accepted that. So I'm still operating in the two different spheres because mm-hmm. they actually see the benefit of being part of uh, the Forestry Awards. So that's really good. I love it. Yeah, cool. love what I'm doing. Enjoy the people, enjoy the uh, culture, uh, very humbled people, great to work with. And I think quite um, evolutionary, like I 
we talk about the health and safety of this industry, but out of any industry, we are probably and have been put on a pedestal as far as our health and safety protocols go. Um, We have got the increase in technology and mechanisation and trying to get guys off the the hill site. Equally, it's offering up a new sort of job for people, you know, young kids coming in. So our big challenge now is to sort of change that public perception of forestry, get um, new people into it. We're bringing them in because... There is that technology and mechanization and using drones and technology, computer systems and, you know, software and stuff that's just making it really exciting for people to join up. We've got this small group of people in our industry called Future Foresters, Mm. and they're the young people that are coming into our industry, and they just love the outdoors. So it's kind of that balance between, hey, this is all technically funky and fun, but actually... We do like just getting our boots on and going outdoors, which probably for our young people is something new as well. You know, it's kind of going back to the old days. Looking forward, what what advice can you give to them to keep themselves emotion, um, sorry, economically sharp? Yeah, I'd just say that they probably um, can take some learnings of being locked down in, in COVID and actually um, accepting that people do need a bit of family time and are probably a bit more family time than what they probably appreciated. Mm-hmm. They do need some time off and they need to be a bit more flexible maybe in their work hours. Um, and however that can translate in forestry, I'm sure that uh, there was some comments around working dual shifts. So actually bringing more women in working mornings for one shift and an afternoon for another shift yeah. and sort of splitting it up, thinking outside that, that sphere. I also think that um, our contractors probably need to keep upskilling themselves. You know, They can become quite smart in all this and become better business people so that they understand where they fit and can in, probably more influence decisions being made around them and yeah. understanding that yeah and I think that they'll have a better upper hand on you know sustainability and keeping their business going um, so it is coming back to learning a bit more about how the export markets can influence um, their business how the decisions that government's making at the moment around balancing uh, timber supplies for processing and domestic Um, spheres versus export you know how that's going to influence their business just being a little bit more business savvy isn't it and just appreciating that yeah but I also think you know just um, the opening up of conversations and people belonging to membership organizations like ourselves those are the benefits they're going to get out uh, you know by attending workshops by even coming along to our conferences we organize you know just having that network ability to actually talk to other people yeah. and not work in your own silo and think, you know, that's people aren't going to be open and honest and chat to you because most people do, don't they? Yeah. You know? Great to yeah. through. Thank you very much. That's really useful. Really, really spot on. Thanks again, Prue, for taking the time and sharing um, your industry insights. I, I know that there's going to be a lot of gems in there for people. So, yeah, thanks again. Really appreciate your time. Oh, no, thank you. I really, um, I value being asked, actually, and very humbled to be asked, and um, pretty neat industry we work in, I have to say. Yeah, look forward to the rebuilding of the future.
And I found a gorgeous little um, quote today. Well, quote as in, I think it's going to become my mantra, actually. Mm. It's like a, a blackboard. It's got three boxes on it, and it says mine, yours, and ours. And it's got a big tick in ours, which is quite cool. Mm. Mm. Finishes it off quite nicely. Mm. <laughs> I really enjoyed my conversation with Prue Young and I hope you did too. The takeaways I got from my conversation with, with Prue mainly was, well, actually number one was see the big picture. Do you remember Prue talking about the eight minute video that she put together for the Forestry Awards, which was a shrub to ship story? Everyone who watched that video could see how they fitted into the supply chain and the value that they individually brought to it. You know, people need their work to have meaning and value. And if they believe their work has meaning and value, they then bring meaning and value to their work. Purpose will always inspire people's performance more than KPIs and money. So make purpose and value a key component in your induction process when you bring new people on. The second takeaway was join your industry collective or if you don't have one, start one. Leaders sharing problems become leaders sharing solutions. Remember, strong tribes survive. The forestry sector collective during COVID has added efficiencies, transferred knowledge across their sector, preparing them better for market fluctuations, and it's also strengthened them as an industry lobby group. The third and final thing I also admire was the simple and creative way Prue was able to provide an ongoing resource serving the mental health needs within the workforce. Because the videos that she and PO created are short, they're made local and the messaging is simple and on topic, they are proving to be very effective. Remember, Tasmania's got in touch with her to see if they can do the same thing. Great work, Prue Younger, CEO of the Forestry Independent Contractors Association. I wish you all the best in your role and the, and the year ahead. Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for joining us this week at Number 8 Wire. I am Johanna Van Els, business coach and consultant. Please subscribe, it's free. That way you'll never miss an episode and together we'll be able to help more people. You can also contact me through the Facebook page, Number 8 Wire Podcasts. See ya.